on May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount+. Plus. And we're back, folks. Another edition of the Michigan Recruiting Insider. Uh, back and ready to talk about a commitment. We were openly discussing here on the podcast who's going to be next in the fold for the University of Michigan. And lo and behold, no sooner than we said it, they added another to the 2023 class. Joining me to talk about that like they do every single week. The best crew around when it comes to Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. Uh, the team over at TMI, Michigan Insider, starting off first with Bryce Merritt. Bryce, how are you? Doing good. How are you guys doing? Doing great. And Steve Loren. Steve, how are you, my man? Good. Wearing shorts. It's nice outside. Spring's getting here, so good, good. All right. And so, like I said, last time we were together, uh, we, one of the questions was, who's going to be next in the fold? I mean, didn't really – I can't say – uh, that there was a consensus of who it was going to be. Uh, we knew they were in really good shape with a few guys. Uh, but it was very, very clear, Bryce, and I know you had a discussion here recently that sort of led you down the path that would make you believe that Michigan was among the favorites at the very least for one of the, you know, one of the top prospects, uh, you know, or one of the rising prospects, I should say, in the 2023 class in the Midwest, Brooks Barr, the latest commitment to the University of Michigan. And this is a carryover for Mike Elston from Notre Dame, right? Yeah, exactly. So one of the reasons I had such a strong position, you know, with Barr is because of that prior relationship he had dating back to Notre Dame with Mike Elston. Um, and like I said, I mentioned mentioned him on the last podcast as a defense alignment to watch because people are wondering kind of how that board was. I knew he was kind of higher up on Michigan's board one because of his length versatility and uh, his fit in the defense. You know, when he committed we talked to him afterwards and he said, you know, they like me in their base defense as a five tech, but I have the ability and they said to shift inside to the three tech I think that's ultimately, Sam, where he's going to land inside, most likely. Right now, he's 6'6", 270. He's a big boy. Um, I would say right now, he kind of needs to work on more of the get-off and maybe his explosion. But you can't teach his size. You can't teach his length. You can't teach, you know, his effort and all that kind of stuff. So I really like the pickup. He's one of the top players in the state of Illinois. He's from a high academic school. Um, he had offers from Wisconsin, Iowa, uh, Minnesota, and, you know, several of those schools have had a lot of success with defense alignment over the years. So that's definitely a good pickup. I think overall, too, this is a guy that Mike Ellison just simply likes, you know, and for what he's trying to do up front, this is exactly the fit he's looking for. And if you're looking back at the defense alliance he's had over the years at Notre Dame, when you look across that roster and across that defensive line, what do you see? Versatility, length, and guys that can move sideline to sideline. And you see that with Brooks Barr, great pickup from a state that obviously they've had plenty of success over the years in Illinois. 
and uh, we'll see where it goes. But yeah, excellent pickup to start off, you know, this recruiting cycle. I guess what, where are they at? Six now commits or five? So yeah, you, um, they are six commits now with, with Brooks in the fold. I count this as a, as a camp pickup because he actually worked with Mike Elston at the Notre Dame camp. And I always take those in-person evals. I, I, I take them, uh, you know, they, they mean a little bit more than, than the ranking might to me. So I know a lot of fans will look at this and say, hey, man, he's a three-star guy. He's number 505 on the, on the board. This is nothing to really get excited about. You know how fans are, right? But this is a guy that has Mike Elston has had his hands on. He's seen, he's evaluated his, his size and athleticism and upside and coachability. Uh, so that, that registers with me. Another thing that registers with me, Steve, you know, we have a great team of national analysts here. A couple of the national analysts have Michigan ties, one being Cooper Batagna, the other who was in uh, Michigan's recruiting department, the other being Chris Singletary, who is the DPP uh, here at Michigan and, and, you know, the lead recruiting guy in Michigan for years. He likened Brooks Barr to a guy you might remember size-wise because initially I was thinking Ryan Van Bergen because Ryan Van Bergen was a, was a five technique, one of the bigger, strong side end type. Uh, that would kick inside at times. But Chris has seen him live. Chris Singletary has seen him live. And he said, I'm not Ryan Van Bergen. He reminds me more of Matt Godin. So Matt Godin, uh, a guy who, who was 6'6", 270, 280, played a little on the outside at Powers Catholic out of Flint, but was, a, was an inside guy at Michigan. And actually went on to the pros, Steve, and had a decent, uh, you know, a decent, you know, cup of, cup of coffee uh, at the next level, that's who, who uh, Chris said he sees when he looks at Brooks Barr. I take it. You know, if he winds up being the kind of, you know, stalwart in the middle, if you will, on a very deep defensive line the way that Matt Godin was here during his Michigan career. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you get Matt Godin out of this, that's – you're ecstatic if you're Michigan. One of the more underrated – I remember how loaded that defensive line was that he was a part of, right. you know, all those other guys were like bona fide pros, high draft picks. You know, I mean, he was sitting behind some, some big time players and still, you know, made a solid impact. He almost looked his arm, his, his wingspan's got to be longer than Matt's though. Right. I mean, his arm, he looks like he's got a mile long wingspan. That's the first thing that jumps out to me when you turn on his film. Second thing, Iowa, Wisconsin, more than good enough for me in that regard. And then three, he was one of the first guys that wasn't a pure edge or a pure interior that Elston offered after he took the Michigan job, you know? So obviously a guy, like you said, Sam, you've seen him live. So there are, there what he's well aware of his abilities, uh, but not only was he aware of his abilities, but felt comfortable enough right away to offer him a scholarship when he got to Michigan. So to me, those are three really big uh, positive signs, I think for a guy like this and really kind of a spot that they haven't, you know, I think he kind of fills a little bit of a need, uh, honestly, in that regard, you know, with that three, five shift, you know, so, so overall really good pickup. The other thing too, always great when you don't have to put in a ton of effort to get a kid that you really want. Right. I mean, this has not been a long recruitment by any means. We've had him listed as a top target for how long Bryce month and a half, pretty much basically since they offered him. Uh, so. That's the other thing, too, that that people kind of always tend to forget 
really nice when the staff gets a guy that they truly want without having to uh, put in the, the exert a ton of effort on the recruiting trail. So, you know, you're getting a kid that, that wants to be there, wants to be a part of the program. Yeah. And so now, you know, this was a kid who visited recently, right, Bryce? And so that points the attention toward recent visitors and how is Michigan doing with some of these guys. And they had a big recruiting weekend. We sort of previewed it a little bit, a lot of top targets on, on campus. So as you look back at that, Bryce, some of the primary takeaways from Michigan's big recruiting, uh, you know, at least that first big recruiting visit day of the spring, what were your primary takeaways from that? Well, the first and maybe the biggest is Sharon Moore is still a rock star recruiter. We learned that, you know, when he first got hired to Michigan, and that's still been the case. Uh, they had two of their top offensive line targets on campus this past weekend. First off with from North Carolina, Sam Pendleton. Um, he's a 6'4", 305 offensive guard, offensive tackle. I think he'll end up more inside than out. Um, but Michigan likes his versatility there. And he's been a guy that Sharon Moore has identified. We're talking about Mike Elston with Brooks Barr kind of getting on him early. Michigan did the same with Sam. Um, and that really paid off. They got him up on a visit this past fall. He enjoyed it. Came back this past weekend with his mom and his twin sister. All of the whole family loved it. The mom loved it. A big thing he told me, though, is, you know, and his mom even said to me, too, is the engineering program is going to be a big draw for him at whatever school he picks. Michigan blew him out of the water, his family with the presentation they gave to him about that. And at the same time, he's got a great relationship with Sharon Moore, a guy who's been recruiting him for months, someone he really respects. And it was a different thing to see because he mentioned, you know, we got to experience him on a game day environment. How does he operate during the game? But to see him during spring ball, you know, how, how is he going to practice? You know, you only play a game once a week, but you practice so many days. So you're going to – you really want to see how that is going to be as well. He enjoyed that aspect of the trip overall. And right now, you know, he got offered by Clemson, which was a school that was his dream school growing up. So many initially said, all right, well, I think now he's going to go to Clemson. I'm hearing Michigan's now definitely more than in the mix for him. At one point, I had put a crystal ball in for him to land at Michigan before the Clemson offer. Now I'm kind of thinking maybe Michigan might be back in the driver's seat. That's how well this visit went. The other guy that just, you know, touch on briefly is Caden Green. He's a four-star offensive tackle, top 100 guy. He won't be offensive tackle from Michigan. He's from the Missouri area. He did reside in Oklahoma for several years, um, and I think that's why Oklahoma, the Sooners, are a major player in his recruitment. But again, Sharon Moore has been a rock star in this recruitment to where he's kind of carrying Michigan to the point of where, you know, they're in his top two. And Kanan's been to, you know, Ann Arbor twice. Right after this visit, Sam, what does he do? He sets up his official visit for the third weekend in June coming back to Ann Arbor. So that's always a good sign when the kid fresh off a visit is planning his next visit. I like where Michigan stands. That's a two horse race in my opinion. Um, I do think it might be tough to beat Oklahoma, but at the same time, I will never count out Sharon Moore. So we'll see where those two recruitments go. And the other thing to take away from this weekend too is Grant Newsom is working on the recruiting trail. He's bringing a lot of tight ends in. He's looking at a lot of guys, especially with, 
you know, their own tight end potentially looking to take some other visits elsewhere. I think that board's starting to shape, you know, kind of, you know, change, kind of look at some other guys as well. Um, so he's really working and I, we'll see how that, you know, pans out, but those are two big takeaways I took from this weekend. Yeah, Steve, Caden Green was one of the guys that you singled out as, you know, the the most important or the most significant visitors uh, coming into the weekend. And, and obviously what Bryce pointed out is key. A lot of folks are saying, man, it's going to be a, a tough pull, which is why this visit was so important. How are you feeling about that one? Yeah, I think it's a clear – I think what Michigan did this weekend has made it a clear two-team race. I think it already kind of was, but I think now it, it is squarely going to be – Michigan and Oklahoma, always a great sign when the official visit is set immediately coming out of the visit, meaning he's not done wanting to know what Michigan's all about, wants to get that full experience. Uh, Bill Biedenbaugh still at Oklahoma. You know, I know they had a lot of staff turnover and everything. That's That'll be a factor for the Sooners. He's always been a really good recruiter, really good coach. You know, so Sharon Moore's got his work cut out for him. Uh, but if there's anybody that knows what Oklahoma knows about Oklahoma can maybe – think of some clever ways to combat what Oklahoma's pitching Sharon Moore uh, playing for Oklahoma might be a guy that would know how to do that. So uh, yeah, clear two team race there. I think the big, the, not the bigger one necessarily, but I totally agree with Bryce about Pendleton. Uh, when I talked to him after his, a while ago, I put in a crystal ball immediately after speaking to him because it felt clear that Michigan was at the forefront. There's no doubt they led. I think after Clemson offered and he went there the first time, I think there was no doubt that Clemson led, but now, you know, he's, he had made comments of making an early commitment. I think he originally wanted to commit in January. He talked about February. Now he's maybe backed off that and slowing things down a little bit. I think that's a really good thing for Michigan, you know, and, and also Michigan's got that engineering program uh, in their back pocket. Still can't figure out how Clemson pitches engineering because they literally don't have an engineering <laughs> program at their school. Um, but somehow they always seem to, uh, find a way to be a factor with kids like this, but, but either way, um, you know, Clemson has proximity there. They do have obviously have had sustained success on the field, but really Michigan much better at developing guys up front over the last four or five, like Clemson for all the studs that they've had at receiver quarterback, everywhere else, offensive lines, a spot where they really haven't produced many pros, despite, you know, I think Jackson Carmen in the NFL, but, but they've had a lot of highly ranked guys uh, that haven't really panned out in, in the pros or even been drafted. So, yeah, I think Michigan has some advantages in that one. And, and yeah, I agree with Bryce. So I think that one's trending back towards Michigan, at least for now. Yeah. And so you, you talk about development is an offensive line development. We saw four or five linemen drafted uh, a few years ago. Right? You, you've seen some guys come along, more guys come along at Michigan. Right. Flip to the defensive side. And we talked about the edge recruiting, the edge development at Michigan across coaching, uh, you know, coaching dynamics, different defensive line coaches, now different defensive coordinators has been superb. It's been sublime. You you go back to, you know, looking at guys like Rashawn, of course, uh, you look at Chase and, and Uche and then in this and Quiddy and Dave Ajabo and of course, Aiden Hutchinson. I mean, that has to sell. And then when you combine that with all the work, going back to what you said about Mike Elston, uh, Bryce, all the work that Mike Elston did at Notre Dame, 
it really, really has to resonate. And I think it is. I think Michigan, one of the most significant developments over the last week or so is Michigan getting a visit locked in with Jason Moore. Jason Moore out of DeMatha Catholic, the top 50 player in the country. A lot of Notre Dame buzz had been in there. But you expect with DeMatha Catholic, right, a lot of Ohio State buzz. With that being Chase Young's school, right, There, there's a connection there to that school. But suddenly – Michigan is a player in that recruitment, and it's, they were recruiting him before Mike Elston. It should resonate with Michigan fans that when Jim Harbaugh, when they went on the trail in January, his first, you know, locale, the first area that he hit was the DMV. So he was in, you know, he was in Archbishop Carroll with Nick Harbour, who I think, my personal opinion, I think Michigan is the leader for at this point. That's just my opinion. The aggression that they've had, the the tie that they have with this track coach. He's been on a visit. The persistence they have now, you, from from Ron Bellamy to Mike Elston sliding right in there. Michigan, you got Brian Ellerby in the school, right? Uh, Michigan has a lot of connect. The head coach there is really really good friends. Uh, is a former college teammate with Josh Ross's dad. They got a lot of connections that keeps them very much in the four for a recruitment that is going to go to duration with Nick Harbour. Uh, but getting back to Jason Moore, Michigan is suddenly a, a much more significant player now that Mike Elston is there. Why is that registering with me? Because Mike Elston is in talking about Michigan, you know, really started talking about them more glowingly and, and their interest in him was more significant from his perception after they hired Mike Elston. And this is after Jim Harbaugh has come into school. Like, Jim Harbaugh has come into school, but it doesn't register with you as much anyway that you're a top guy until Mike Elston comes into the fold. That's significant to me. And then, of course, he's going to be on campus April 2nd weekend. You know, it's going to be huge festivities, and, you know, you're going to have all those recruits and spring game and all that big, big, I think, uh, uh, visit lined up for Jason Moore Bryce. Yeah, uh, Mike Elston, you know, the one thing I've noticed about him and his recruiting ability is he's not afraid to offer kids, Sam. He's very willing to offer kids, but I think he's very precise in who he offers. You know, I think he knows who he wants and he's chasing and he's looking for a certain fit. And when you look at Jason Moore, he fits exactly kind of how Brooks bars in the sense where he brings that length, versatility and that athleticism to the point of where it's a puzzle piece. You can put them in different spots and somehow he'll still fit. He'll still work. Um, I like exactly what he's been doing up front with recruiting. He's recruiting the best of the best. One of the guys I think of first with Mike Elston and Michigan and kind of the courtship of how it's helped is Samuel Emba from IMG Academy, the five-star down there. And he's enlisted as an athlete, but he's definitely going to be a defensive lineman. Um, and he's a guy that, He's admitted that, you know, he's looked at Michigan harder because of the Mike Elston hire. And so that's one guy. And then like on the opposite side of the country, Jane and Wayne, who's a five-star, took a visit to Michigan this past summer. He's been a guy that's also shown an increased amount of interest because of Mike Elston and the relationship he had at Notre Dame. So you're seeing those prior relationships carry over to Michigan, and it's sparking interest with some of the top athletes and defense alignment in the country. And I think that bodes well for Michigan going forward.
Yeah, Steve, you mentioned last week. I know that we, we sort of touched on this a little bit last week um, in talking about the Elston effect. But Keon Keeley, you know, Michigan, I mean, they have a, a guy in the school in Garrett Rebus. Uh, you know, and Garrett, for a long time, up until Jalen uh, Jalen Harrell, he had been not pushing Michigan, but really being a, you know, really being a, you know, a, an advocate in that, hey, this is what Michigan can do. This is a, a great program for you to look at. Jalen Harrell is the first one to really, when Mike Elston gets there, Keon Keeley is a Notre Dame commitment, but instantly when Mike comes over, when Mike Elston comes over to, to Michigan and comes back to Ann Arbor, Steve, Keon Keeley was saying, I'm going to take a harder look at Michigan now. And that's the value, right? I mean, that's, you know, as much as the, the, the idea is, you know, kids should always choose what school makes them feel comfortable. We know that, like, a lot of guys commit to a school because of their future position coach, their primary recruiter, right? So you bring Elston over. Yeah, Keeley might be, I mean, Edge is loaded in 2023, but Keeley might be the best. Um, maybe Harbor probably has the highest ceiling. I think he has the highest ceiling of any player in the, in the class. Uh, but Keeley, as, a, as far as being a polished prospect, uh, might be the best one. You know, I think he's already either visited Alabama or publicly said he was going to visit. So, yeah, despite his commitment, that one's not over for Notre Dame uh, by any means, right? And so Elston's going to kind of be the feather in Michigan's cap. And like you said, the Berkeley prep connection there, at least Michigan, is they're very familiar. They've, they've offered PETA. They've offered preferred walk-ons from the program. You know, it's a school that they're very comfortable with and I think have done a good job in building a good relationship with. So, yeah, the other thing, talk about Jason Moore uh, in the DMV, uh, Deshaun Womack next up at St. Francis Academy is a guy Michigan's really, really going to push for. Um, I don't know about Umia Zulu, uh, but Mo Joe Mupoyi, who's actually teammates with Nicholas Harbor, three-star, has six offers, but Michigan, it's like Michigan, Penn State, Maryland, like legit schools. Uh, he's another one I think they're going to push for. I feel like on our board, a lot of members have always wondered why Michigan hasn't made a bigger effort in the DMV area necessarily. Uh, but I think this is a cycle, particularly up front, where I think you're going to maybe see them not only push a little bit harder, but I think maybe fare a little bit better. Uh, and I don't know, maybe you guys know if that was where Elston, did he recruit the DMV for Notre Dame? I, I, don't, I don't know, but um Right. So that, but I, I, it seems like it because mm -hmm. he's the primary for all these guys too. And, um, you know, despite defensive line, whatever. But, but yeah, DMV, uh, maybe a little bit more important for Michigan this cycle at edge and, and up front. So, you know, you know, so Elson in an area where he's, he's obviously comfortable with. And, and yeah, he's turned kind of turned the more recruitment around for Michigan and uh, has them as factors for some, some other big names for sure. Yeah. One guy I want to get your opinion on just since, since we're on uh, this, uh, you know, kind of talking about Elston, uh, a recent Boston College decommitment. And remember, so you guys remember Bubakar Sissoko. Bubakar Sissoko didn't work out uh, in the grand scheme of things for, for Michigan, but suddenly they are in the mix for a recent Boston College decommitment, Bubakar Treor. And there was a Treor on the basketball side that they were recruiting. It didn't work out between the two. I mean, you had a Bubakar that didn't work out. And you had a Yuan Treor didn't, that didn't work out. Isn't Michigan due for a Bubakar Treor to go in go in their favor, Rice? Finally, the, 
to get one of those to get one of those names to go in their favor in this one. But he's looking at Notre Dame. He's looking at Michigan now. A number of schools kind of chasing the Boston College decommitment. Yeah, third time's the charm, right? And you know, we're talking about uh, fans. A lot of fans had issues with you know Michigan recruiting the East Coast so heavily. Well, this is a guy that you shouldn't bet eye at because he is a top talent, a top two, four, seven talent at that. He's a guy that's a physical freak. If you put on the film, you, he just pops, you know, he's one of those kids that just pops. Um, everything I've heard about him though, is it's Notre Dame's to lose right now. Mm-hmm. But again, this is a guy Sam mentioned that Mike Elston was on and had a prior relationship Absolutely. with Notre Dame. And so for him not to make a call, would be dumb and guess what one of the first calls he made when he got the job at michigan was to him so this this makes all sense i think the biggest hurdle for michigan and the next step for michigan in this recruitment is getting him up on campus mm-hmm. and showing him everything they have to offer because he knows mike elston that's not the problem there it's more of just what does michigan have to offer but you can also sell kids like Quiddy Pay, you right. know, other people from the area. Oh, know? that's what so we that's hey, selling point too. It's no and you don't even have to sell it. Steve, you know, that was one of the things that right on point with this conversation. What did he say uh, in addition to the fact that he knows Mike Elston, right? So you, you got that connection uh that can carry over. Still I agree with you. Notre Dame, Al Washington doing a great job. He says he and Al Washington talk every other day or something like that. But when he talked about Michigan, Steve, he saw, man, their their record for developing defensive ends is he's like, it's unbelievable. You, you got he started rattling off the names for Sean Gary and Aiden Hutchinson. He said, Man, it's and that's that's nothing to do with Mike Elston, right? But then you have the development reputation that he has along with what has happened at Michigan over time. I think they at least get him on camp. Again, they have some ground to make up, make no mistake. But I think they at least get a visit out of it, Steve. Yeah, I agree. I can't imagine, since given that he didn't flip right away, you know, if this was such a shoe in for Notre Dame, I can't imagine. I mean, could be wrong here, but can't imagine he's going to just commit a month from now again somewhere without maybe seeing a couple other schools, the ones that he's expressed interest in. I, there's no way he's only got four offers. That's the other thing. I'm on his pro. I've been on his profile. It has four listed offers. There is no way that kid <laughs> has only got four scholarship offers. And I know he's not. He's not been a talker. Uh, you know, I was surprised. I saw Doan. Brian Doan got some quotes from him. Um, I, I don't think he's done like might be one of the first interviews he's done. Uh, you know, definitely the first one he's done since he even committed to BC. I want to say, but uh, big time. Any kid out of an area like Massachusetts who's already ranked 88th in the country. I think there's a ceiling, there's a higher ceiling there. He could move up even further. So, by the way, other topic, Michigan, Notre Dame not playing each other for like another 15 years. They are not going anywhere as far as a recruiting rival go. There are like 15 legit targets for Michigan that it could be, it could le- legit turn out to be Michigan versus Notre Dame at the end. I mean, there's always guys that the two schools are recruiting, but this cycle, it seems like it's it's tenfold as far as how many guys they appear to be going. Uh, potentially head-to-head for. So that'll be something to watch, too. Yeah, and this is another one where you always trying to work connections, right? So remember we talked about maybe there's an indirect connection that Denard will come in with. Well, Bubakar Treyor is the younger brother of Jacksonville Jaguars offensive lineman Badara Treyor. So, you know, got Tom Gamble coming in. 
uh, from the Jaguars organization. But 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 Denar was much more entrenched with the Jags, right? He was a Jaguar player. He's a coach. You know, you got to believe that he would at least be able to work that angle to be able to get through to his brother and be like, hey, you know, we're trying to get in with Bubakar. What's up? I mean, you, you these connections mean a, a ton when you're trying to get a leg up in a recruitment. So I would be surprised if that if that wasn't an angle that Michigan pursued in trying to, again, just get get them on campus and then see what happens. This is another reason why I think they'll be able to get Bubakar Treyor on campus here in, in the coming weeks. Any other guys sort of jumping out at you, whether they be guys that visited recently or guys that they have visit commitments from coming up, Bryce? Uh, you know, I, I briefly mentioned on tight end recruiting because Andrew Rappelier, I think that's how you say his last name. Uh, Rappelier. That's one time. That's Rappelier. one that I got. Yeah. He, uh, so he's scheduled some visits and they're not all to Michigan. Um, and so one is to Boston College for the spring game. Well, April 2nd when Michigan's having their spring game. Another one is to Penn State, which he's been to a couple times already. And I know there's Opti- you know, people are kind of confident in those circles out there in State College where they think they could potentially flip him. The other thing there, too, is with a new coach, Grant Newsom, I think he's making his own board. I know that's not to say he doesn't like Andrew. I, know, I think he likes him. But I think some of the tight ends you're seeing come in, like uh, Deacon Tony or Tony A or whatever his last name is, um, He's a guy from Illinois, 6'6", 215, four-star, who came in this past weekend, a guy they really like. And Steve, if correct me if I'm not wrong, I think he's a the guy they liked even before they took Andrew. Is that correct? Yeah, he was a guy top target immediately. Uh, Rapplier visited, measured in, taller than they thought he than he was than they anticipated he would be. So he became like a hot big time target once they got the the weight and height measurements. But but Tony Ellie's a guy I think is right back at the top because I think they want one flex, one more inline guy uh, if they could. And I, I think both Rapplier and, and Tony Ellie are somewhat similar. So, you know, I think with Rapplier setting other visits, that that spot is open now to whoever wants it. I don't think they're going to sit around and, you know, if Tony Ellie wants in, I don't think they're going to say no to him at this point now, although given they may have if Rapplier was 100% solid in his commitment at this point so mm-hmm. uh yeah i feel like we gotta have the proverbial quarterback mentioned in every podcast right we it's we're always talking dante Moore. uh it's always get having a mention to cj Carr. want to focus a little bit more uh on on cj Carr's class right which is 2024 it seems there's some movement on that front for michigan right bryce yeah, we ain't talking about math class and or science <laughs> class. We're talking about a different type of class. Exactly. So Michigan, we, we just talked about, you know, quarterback recruiting a lot last, you know, podcast. And it was all about Dante Moore and just, you know, can Michigan get him and the ripple effect of let's say they get him, but they don't get CJ Carr. Um, what that's going to detail. Well, they offered three or four you know, quarterbacks and they're in the 2024 class. So that's going to be interesting. It's something to look at, um, you know, and they're all top five-star quarterbacks. So they're all really good. They're all guys that Matt Wise and Jim Harbaugh personally offered. So these are guys that they've evaluated, watched the film they really like. And so the follow-up question to that is, all right, if Michigan offers these quarterbacks in the class of 2024, all of a sudden, 
where does that put CJ? So that's where the class question comes in. Yeah, you know, I, I see what what some fans are are asking, wondering if he could, if he, I don't know if it's even on his radar. It's just more fans talking about him reclassifying. I, I haven't heard anything to suggest that's in the, you know, that's under consideration. I, I certainly will ask him. Uh, I mean, he he certainly the potential is there for it. Uh, you know, he he did. He was a what do they call it? You know, a, a middle school redshirt guy. Right. So, you know, he, he could he could go to the 2023 class if if he wanted to, Steve. But again, I haven't heard I don't know if you have. I haven't heard anything to suggest that that's something that he's really looking at. It sounds more like fan sort of, uh, you know, wonderment than anything else. I certainly will ask about it. But have you heard anything along those lines? No. It, yeah, it seems like one of those like things that organically takes off from like a tweet from a fan or something, you know, where it just kind of turns into like, it, like it's a legit thing. Cause no, I haven't heard anything to suggest that's the case yet. I would say though, very interesting that 24 is the class where they've all of a sudden expanded their quarterback board though. I mean, none of these recent offers at quarterback have been in 23. All of them have been in the 24 class and they've made what four or five in the last like two weeks. So that is an interesting little wrinkle uh, to the situation, but uh, as far as car specifically, nothing concrete to suggest. You know that that's going to be the case. I get why fans right. are bringing that. Right. I, I understand it. Like if you, everyone, everyone, knows, I, I do believe that if Notre Dame is either leading or or just right there, neck and neck. You know, Michigan is right. Like Michigan is not leaps and bounds behind Notre Dame for for Dante Morris. Either even or they're slightly ahead. Uh, but if Dante Moore goes elsewhere, I mean, I, I get why fans like, can, can you just pull CJ up into this class? I do think that that's fan wonderment, but I understand the fan wonderment. And I wonder if that's something that would appeal to him. I, if I tell you what, if I'm Michigan, I would check it out. I would ask him because I, I think CJ is a big time prospect, uh, and you that in that cycle in the twenty twenty three cycle it would be ideal if you had a a, a big time quarterback prospect uh, in that window, right? So uh, if you could get C, if you could pull CJ up, great. I, I just I just haven't heard, and I, I just asked Steve this, Bryce. Have you heard anything to suggest that that's under consideration at this point? No, not at this moment. And like Steve said, what's really interesting about this is it's only in the 2024 class, mm -hmm. you know. And like I said, it's more of, I think, a fan thing, maybe, of them saying, okay, well, if this is not going to work out, let's move up CJ. And ideally, I think if you ask Michigan, you're not going to, you know, if you told them you're not going to get Dante Moore, but CJ could move up, are you taking that? And I think they'd take that in a heartbeat. So, <laughs> right. you know, that's the thing. But yeah, they're, they want to lead quarterback in the 2024 class. That's very evident. I mean, the three or four guys they offered all in the top 10 of next year's quarterback class, you know, I mean, they're all on the West coast and these are all five-star quarterbacks that all have offers from the who's who of college football. And one is Dylan Riola, who's the son of Dominic, of Dominic Ri yeah. Riola for all those Lions fans out there who had a, 
you know, see all those years with him, you know, and unfortunately all those losses, but you know, there's ties there, you know, we're mm-hmm. talking about connections and ties. So he's one of the guys they offered and I know they really like him as well, but yeah, at the end of the day, these offers might be a lot of smoke, but I just can't see CJ not picking Michigan either. You know, I think it comes down to what class, you know, if he does and if they, he can change to move up to the 2023 class. And that's something, too, you got to have a talk with Dante and see how that affects him as well. So we'll see what happens. But I think it's never a dull moment when it comes to quarterback recruiting. I mean, even last, like I remember with Nate Johnson, all those twists and turns and all the different things with quarterback recruiting there. So, but. The other one other thing to note is they did take two quarterbacks this past cycle. So they have a little room, a little buffer as well. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So we will start profiling and building the visit list for the upcoming epic visit weekend around the spring game. I don't think it's I think we're going to be able to describe it that way. Uh, So you can look over the next week, week and a half as we start to release more names Uh, you can expect for that to be a a really, really exciting moment in recruiting. If you are not a member of the Michigan Insider, now is the time to really get on board. A dollar gets you in there the first month, and you can really get a sample and get a taste, not only of the coverage, but of of some of the big-time recruiting storylines around spring ball, and those storylines are just starting to build right now. So we're going to cut it at this point. And come back next week, and hopefully more of you will have joined up. I, I got to give a shout-out to Bryce real quick. I don't know if you noticed this. A guy that I asked you to see on the basketball side of things last spring. I said, man, you got to see this dude, Xavier Booker. He's a guy, Bryce. He's a guy, Bryce. Go check him out. Michigan hadn't offered him. And he told you, he said, man, I, I love Michigan. It'd be great if they offered me. Michigan just dropped an offer on him this week. We'll see if they can make up some ground with Xavier Booker. He mentioned we'll have a story. We have a story. I talked to him. We'll have a story. And let's just say he's a big fan of Jawan Howard, too. All right. So be on the lookout for that as well. We're on the Michigan Insider. Until then, thanks for listening to the Michigan Recruiting Insider. From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher. No. Funnier. I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles. Now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes!